Well, let us return to that portion of Scripture that you heard read in your hearing. John and the chapter 7. John and chapter 7. And we shall take the words of verse 37 as our text. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Here's the gospel. In a single short sentence, we have, as it were, in a nutshell, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is quite the remarkable truth that the one who in his suffering groaned, I thirst, is the only one who can truly give such an invitation to sinners who thirst. No man spake like this man. Only this man who cried, I thirst, is the one who can tell thirsty sinners to come unto me and to drink. It is only the Christ who thirsted in his cross work that can bring about this glory work in the soul of a sinner, in one whose soul is thirsty and arid, dry and dusty, dead. Only this one who accomplished this cross work can do such a glory work in the soul of a man. Dear friends, the gospel truth set before us by Christ in plain words, there are plain words before us, is that the thirsty sinner who comes and drinks is the sinner who believes in Christ. That's what we're being told. We're having it set for us before us here in figurative language. But Christ is a plain preacher of the word of God. There's nothing difficult in this. It is simple. The one who is thirsty, come and drink. The one who is unbelieving, come and believe. It's what we read in verse 38. He that believeth on me, he expands on this. As the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is glorified. Jesus is risen and exalted. And he sits at the right hand of power as the king, as the one who makes his people willing in the day of his power. The setting for Christ's preaching in this chapter will permit us to see the importance and the urgency of the gospel call. 
We read here that it was the last day, that great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles was in regard to the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And here it is the last day. Some think it was the seventh day, but there was an eighth day also added. So it might have been the eighth day, that day that was given for a holy convocation. But what is true and what we do know is there would have been a multitude of people, hordes of people in Jerusalem at this time. The last great day of the feast. And what do we read happened? We read that Jesus stood and Jesus cried. Jesus stood. The rabbi normally would have sat to teach. But on this occasion, Jesus stood. He stood unafraid. Earlier on in the narrative, we read that the Pharisees sought to take him. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, he knew their intention. But was he afraid? Was he ashamed of his own gospel? No. He stood. He did not sit. He stood and he cried out. And what we learn from this loud cry of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it was a vehement cry. It wasn't a little whisper. He stood and he filled his lungs and he was seen of men and he cried out, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So there was no mistake about it. There was no mistake of his intention. There was no mistaking his message. And dear friends, his cry is still heard today. For we hear it now. For the Holy Spirit inscripturated this cry. And this cry goes out this evening. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. A cry that is still heard. But the question also still remains. Does any man thirst? That was the question when Christ issued his cry. And it's the question still. Does any man thirst? Well, let us consider then this text together. Firstly, we have a sinner's thirst. A sinner's thirst. If any man thirst. Now we are evidently being confronted again this day with this truth that there is among men to be found such a thing as a spiritual thirst. There is a natural thirst, a proper thirst but there's also this spiritual thirst as we've seen with Christ when he cried, I thirst. And there's this spiritual thirsting that is found in men. If any man, if any sinner thirst. This clearly implies that not all thirst in this spiritual manner. And this is a truth that we must state. Not all sinners have this spiritual thirst. But Christ cries here, if any man, if any sinner thirst. 
We're confronted here with an awful solemn truth. Dear friends, it is a most awful and perilous state for a man to find himself. Not having this spiritual thirst. Let us apply this to the natural body. What would happen to a man if he did not know natural thirst? And he never drank. He would die. He would die a miserable death if he knew nothing of physical thirst which led him not to drink. And so it is in spiritual terms. When the sinners are satisfied with the broken cisterns and wells of sin in this world and they have no spiritual thirst for Christ, what happens? They die. They die the second death without this spiritual thirst for Christ. To know nothing of this spiritual thirst and yet be satisfied with all of these broken cisterns, these dry and empty wells of worldliness, is a terrible and perilous position. And yet, in their satisfaction, because sinners do have satisfaction in these broken cisterns, because it is evident to us all that there are sinners who continue to go back to the same broken cisterns that don't satisfy spiritually, but they keep going back time after time. And the truth of Christ condemns such unsatisfying sources. What does Christ say in John chapter 4 and the verse 13? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And that is the message to the sinner who continues to go with the failing cisterns of this world. If they keep drinking of this, these cisterns, they shall thirst again. And that's what happens. They continue to thirst after the things of the flesh. Unsatisfying sources for thirst. You see, dear friend, I suggest to you that Christ will not satisfy your thirst for the things of the flesh. Christ is holy. And it is a spiritual thirst that he will quench. He will not satisfy your thirst for pleasure, for the riches of this world, for your own self-indulgences, for the ease of conscience in sin. Christ will not satisfy such thirst. Christ will not allow you to be at ease in your sin. He won't permit it. Dear friends, such thirsting is the pathetic thirsting of most men. And that is evident to us as we live in this world, as we live in this nation. John Calvin remarked on this text. He says, For it is true that we are all poor and destitute of every blessing. That is true. We are all sons of Adam without Christ. We're all poor. We're all destitute of every blessing. 
He goes on to say, but it is far from being true that all are roused by conviction of their poverty to seek relief. So are there, there are those sinners who thirst and there's those sinners who don't. Dear friend, a sinner who thirsts has been brought to see how destitute he is. He has been brought, as it were, to an end of himself. Now, if we were to survey the broken cisterns, those that stand by them, unsatisfied, and the most miserable of creatures, who would we see? Well, we would see Mr. Anxious Soul. There's the man anxious about his soul. He, knew, he knows that his soul is of some eternal worth. And he is anxious of the eternal destination of his soul. And he is thirsting. But he is continuing to go to the different cisterns of the world. And what does Christ say unto Mr. Anxious Soul this evening? He says unto him, If you thirst, come unto me. And I will give you drink. At another cistern. We may find Mr. Conviction of Sin. A man so burdened. With the conviction of sin. That he can barely lift his head. To see what new cistern that he finds himself in. He struggles from this cistern to that cistern. To this broken well to that broken well. Seeking satisfaction. And his sin the conviction of his sin is grinding him down. What does Christ say unto him? Come unto me and I shall give you drink. Well, what about Miss Desire for Pardon? Miss Desire for Pardon knows that she needs her sins pardoned. She knows that she has been wayward in her ways. She knows that sin has been committed. And she goes maybe to this cistern and that cistern. What does Christ say unto Miss Desire for pardon? Come unto me. Or Mrs. Heavy Heart. Mrs. Heavy Heart knows that her heart ought to be set upon Christ. And yet in years past when her heart has been set upon the things of this world. Her heart has been set on this and has set on that and set on another thing. And she has never known satisfaction whatsoever. And she thirsts and her heart is heavy with thirst. What does Christ say unto her? Come unto me and drink. But there's always Mr. Troubled Conscience as well, isn't there? One whose conscience troubles him. One whose conscience keeps him awake at night. His conscience always seems to be alert and active. He awakes in the morning and his conscience tells him you are not right with God. He goes through his day and his conscience continually tells him get right with God. He turns in for the evening and the last voice he hears is that of his conscience. And it says unto him get right with God. These are these thirsty sinners that Christ speaks to. Do you know any of them? Christ says unto you, come unto me and drink. Nothing satisfies them. And yet Christ has the power 
to satisfy their thirst. Let them hear the cry of Christ, if any man thirst. But secondly, we note the sinner's invitation. So we have these thirsty sinners, and now we have a Saviour's invitation to such sinners. And what does he say? He says, let him come unto me. Let us not be mistaken, dear friends, about this invitation. It is proclaimed to all the crowd. It is proclaimed vehemently. It is proclaimed in the commanding authority of Christ. We read that he stood and cried. We already have mentioned that it was a multitude. Christ does not say, that man, that man, that man. No, he speaks to the whole crowd. The call goes out to everyone. And he says unto them all, if any man thirst. And it is a vehement cry. It is a kind and gracious call. But it is a vehement call. But it is also one in commanding authority. And we should note this, dear congregation. That Christ commands all men everywhere to repent. He commands, let him come unto me. That is not a request. It is a command of Christ. It is one that is clothed with the authority of the Son of God. The one who has the power to quench such thirst commands those who have that thirst to come and to drink. Dear friends, let us, let none of us be ignorant of these two things. What a terrible thing it is for a sinner to be willingly ignorant, to be willingly ignorant of their thirst. Let us not be ignorant of these two things. Firstly, of our great need. The great need of the sons of Adam is Christ, the last Adam. But secondly, let us not be ignorant of his command. His command is to come. Christ here employs those words found in the Old Testament gospel of Isaiah. That's what the prophecy of Isaiah is. It's a gospel. The Old Testament gospel we read in Isaiah chapter 55. You all know these words. Who every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Then Isaiah asked the question. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Not only will the thirsty sinner's thirst be quenched, but through the grace of Christ their soul will delight itself in fatness. No longer will it be a summer drought. But it will be prosperous, plenteous in redemption, fruitful. This is the salvation of the Lord. This is the grace of Christ. This great gospel word, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
All the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And all that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. This great gospel word come teaches us, dear congregation, of the willingness of Jesus Christ. The willingness of Christ to satisfy the soul of those thirsty ones. Those sinners who thirst for their spiritual soul's good. Who themselves are made willing in his grace to come. It's a wonderful thought for us to take hold of. We sang it in Psalm 110. That he will make his people willing in the day of his power. You see dear friends there must be this willingness found also in the sinner to come. There's not just the willingness of Christ to save all who come unto him. But there must be a willingness in the sinner to come. And who is it that makes the sinner willing? It is Jesus Christ. It is a gracious salvation. This does most often accompany the being brought to the scene of our great need. We are brought to see the need that we have in and of of ourselves. The Spirit of God brings us to such a place. Shows us our great need. And shows us the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. What does the thirsty sinner say? I thirst. Therefore I come. And I drink. That's how you know the thirsty sinner. They come. The command is come. You cannot sit and hear the call to come and ignore that call and think yourself to be a thirsty sinner. You know not of this thirst. But if you hear this call to come and you do come and you avail of this cup, then you are a thirsty sinner having your thirst quenched. J.C. Ryle he remarked, happy are those who know something by experience of spiritual thirst. Blessed are those truly happy people knowing of this experience of spiritual thirst. Why? Because Christ is the only remedy for such thirst. And it is Christ that cries come. You see, the one who is the remedy for this thirst is the one who cries Come unto me and drink. To illustrate what this word come is conveying to us. And the willingness that is encapsulated in this word come. We must see what it means. And it is quite simple. It is as one described if Christ was physically standing before you and he said to you, come, you use your feet and walk toward him. But dear friend, what you would do with your feet is what you do with your heart and will in coming to Christ. You see, it clearly expresses action. In order to come, there must be an action. 
And that action of the sinner is evidence that Christ has acted in the soul. For he makes them willing in the day of his power. Christ, who calls the thirsty sinner, has made that thirsty sinner willing in this day of salvation, in the day of his power. Now, this is a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful truth of the gospel of grace. It is a gracious gospel of Jesus Christ. In making one thirsty, he also has the remedy for their thirst. You see, the sinner who thirsts is not left to himself, but rather Christ is his salvation. You see, Christ does not say to one, come. And if one comes to take of the cup, Christ does not take that cup away from that one that comes. His offer is sincere. He holds his cup out to thirsty sinners and he says to them, come and drink of this well of salvation. It is a gracious gospel of Christ. Christ is communicating to all who hear at this last day that he is that true spiritual rock. Remember, they're commemorating the 40 years in the wilderness. And we read in Exodus 17 of that spiritual rock that was smoked by Moses and water came forth. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 40 says, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. And Christ is here identifying himself as that true rock. That one that giveth the water of life. You see in chapter 6. He had identified himself as the true manna from heaven. Verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them. Verily, verily I say unto you. Moses gave you not that bread from give you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Verse thirty five. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So as he identified himself as a true manna from heaven, chapter six. He identifies himself as the true rock in the wilderness in chapter 7. He is also the true spiritual well of John chapter 4, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting Life. Let the thirsty sinner come. Let the thirsty sinner see his great need in his thirst. And in the thirst being quenched, he will die. And yet he will live. You see, the thirsty sinner who comes to drink 
at the well of Christ or to take his cup, they will die unto themselves. All the broken cisterns of the world will die with them. And yet they will live. They will live the true spiritual life. And they will have a new thirst. They will be spiritually thirsty. But that spiritual thirst now is that desire for perpetual communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, once they taste of Christ, they've tasted nothing like it. They know that this is the only thing that can satisfy. Therefore, they seek nothing else. Behold, old things have passed away. All things become new. So that is the Saviour's invitation. But thirdly, we note the Spirit work. It is a spirit work. Verse 37 again, Christ says, and drink. In verse 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said. Dear friends, a sinner who thirsts for Christ will, in coming to Christ, be fully satisfied with Christ. There is no doubt about it. There is no question over the satisfaction of the one who is altogether lovely. Did we not learn last evening that grace is poured forth into his lips? That grace that goes down the beard and the garment doth flow. He is sufficient for the sinner's need. And he will truly satisfy the sinner that comes. And one may say, even this evening, well, how do you know? How do you know that he will satisfy my need? How can you be sure that he will satisfy my need? Those among us who say to themselves, I'm not worthy to come to Christ. It's a terrible thought to have, to deny a thirst. They say, how do you know? How do you be sure that he'll satisfy such a wretch like me? Well, dear friend, we know because it has nothing to do with you. We know because you will never be worthy to come to Christ. We are all unworthy. That is why we come to the one who is worthy. You see, it is the Spirit's work from beginning to end. That's how you know you will be satisfied. The Spirit of Christ will show you your need. And at the same time, the Spirit of Christ will show you your duty to come. The Spirit of Christ will show you his sufficiency. You see, Christ, victorious, entered into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And he received the promise of the Father. And the Spirit crowned him in heaven. And he sent the Spirit forth to crown him again in the heart of his people. That's how we know Christ satisfies. Because it is of the Spirit. 
He will show you his own sufficiency. He will sustain you in his promises. What are we told about the promises of God? They are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. The yea is concerning God. God has promised. The amen is concerning man. We will receive that promise. And Christ stands as the yea and amen with one hand on his people and one hand on God. And he secures all the promises of God. And he satisfies the sinner's need. He will increase his graces in you. All things, as I've said, become new. The old cisterns of satisfaction pass away. For they can no longer satisfied. Mr. Anxious Soul becomes Mr. Rejoicing Soul. Mr. Conviction of Sin becomes Mr. Liberty in Christ. Mr. Desire for Pardon knows of the forgiveness, the joy of the forgiveness of her sins. Mrs. Heavy of Heart has lost the weight of that heart for she has set her heart on Christ. Mr. Troubled Conscience knows the peace of Christ and peace of conscience. It's a wonderful truth, isn't it? The salvation of God in Jesus Christ fully satisfies. What does Christ say? He says, drink. Drink. Take hold of the promise and appropriate for yourself this provision of grace. This is the way it has been for all the people of God from the Garden of Eden, from Adam, Adam onwards. Everyone comes to see their great need, takes hold of the promise of Christ and appropriates for themselves this provision of grace that is found in him. There's no other way of salvation but through Christ. Thirsty sinner needs to hear what Christ is claiming here for himself. Remember, Christ is the faithful prophet of God. We read that in verse 40. Of a truth, this is the prophet. He is the great prophet of God. He is the great prophet of the church. And he is faithful and true. For we know that it is but gracious words that he speaks. He is not a broken cistern. He is not an empty well. One writer remarked, He is but an inexhaustible fountain, which largely and abundantly supplies all who will come to drink. An inexhaustible fountain of grace. And yet, it being an inexhaustible fountain of grace, Christ, as it were, exhausts that inexhaustibleness of his grace. Because it's poured forth in such abundance in the making of his people willing in the day of his power. In the sustaining them and in the, in the keeping of them. You see, dear friend, all men will be without excuse for no man will be able to utter the blasphemous thought 
that Christ could not satisfy. On the day of judgment, when we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, no man will be able to say, he didn't satisfy me. I drank, but was not satisfied. No man can say this. The man who says, I drank, but was not satisfied, is the man who never truly thirsted. The man who never truly drank at the well of the salvation. The Spirit, dear congregation, is the enabler of all who drink. But he is also the great promise to all who drink. The Holy Ghost is the great promise of the New Testament. The Messiah Christ was the great promise of the Old Testament. Holy Spirit is the promise of the New Testament. Who sends that Holy Spirit forth? It is but him who was the promise of the Old Testament. Christ the Messiah. And this Spirit that he sends forth is the enabling of all his people. But it is also the promise to all who drink. That's what Christ says in our text. He speaks of the Holy Ghost. Therefore in the light of Christ's willingness. And in Christ's sufficiency. The question remains dear congregation. Does any man thirst? Does any woman thirst? Do any sinners thirst? This is the question. In conclusion, let us remember the thirst of Christ, that which we sought to solemnly consider this morning. The thirst of Christ, as was mentioned, was the climax and the extremity of his hell sufferings upon the cross. The climax of his soul suffering and his body sufferings converged in this word of suffering. I thirst. And John Flavel remarks that in this word of suffering, we have the liveliest emblem of the state of the damned that ever was presented to this world. The liveliest emblem emblem of the state of the damned in hell that this world has ever known was found in that word of suffering of Christ I thirst we learn from this truth that men who wander after every cistern seeking satisfaction without Christ what will be their end will they will perish miserably and they will be in misery. The extremities of it. For all eternity. Just as a man. Who does not know natural thirst. Will die a miserable death. So he that knows not spiritual thirst. Will die. And perish miserably. Some say. I don't thirst. And that is true, they don't. But dear congregation, those who say, I don't thirst, their eternal cry will be, 
I thirst. Think on that. You may say, no, I, I don't thirst. Well, according to God's word, your eternal cry will be, I thirst. It is a thought for us that one among us should have this as their eternal motto of suffering. Will you have it as your eternal motto of suffering? Will you cry, I thirst for all eternity? A solemn thought and yet true. Remember, dear friends, of the consciousness of hell's suffering. I take you back to this morning and to Christ. He refused that first drink because it was mixed with gall. Because he had to have a complete consciousness of his sufferings. And his sufferings equated to the sufferings of eternal damnation. What does that teach us? That teaches us that the sinner in hell will be fully conscious of their suffering. They'll be fully conscious of the extremity of their sufferings. They will be fully conscious of their thirst. And every second of hell will feel like an eternity. And every second their thirst will be intensified. As they are reminded of these words. May be once heard. But now beyond reach. Can you imagine. The full consciousness of hell suffering. After hearing these words of Christ. If any man thirst. Let him come unto me and drink. That will only intensify that suffering. To come to drink is to come and believe. Come, O thirsty sinner, and believe on Christ. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank thee that this cry of Christ goeth forth still. And our prayer is that it would go forth by thy Spirit. And our prayer is that thy Spirit would go forth and make many a one thirsty. May thy, O God, grant grace in the day of his power. May we see the blessing of God in the abundance of a willing people. Only the Lord can save. And salvation is of the Lord. And we cry, O God, that thou would be pleased to add to the church such as should be saved. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
to the end of the psalm. Psalm 28, verse 5. God shall not build, but them destroy, who would not understand the Lord's own works, nor did regard the doing of his hand. Forever blessed be the Lord, for graciously he heard the voice of my petitions and prayers did regard. The Lord's my strength and shield, my heart upon him did rely. And I am helped, hence my heart doth joy exceedingly. And with my song I will him praise. Their strength is God alone. He also is the saving strength of his anointed one. We sing from verse 5 through to verse 9 to God's praise. God shall not
Let us stand to receive the benediction. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen. Just a number of intimations here. The Thanksgiving service, Lord willing.